What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brendan and Damo back here on the show to talk to you guys today about the first Wizards preseason game in which they had a loss. I think it was, what, by they lost by four points, I think? Either four or five. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, a very close loss for the Wizards. Uh, some stuff to be encouraged about. Some stuff to be discouraged about, too, but I definitely think there was more to be encouraged about. Uh, what were your immediate thoughts on last night's game? Uh, I mean, the, the immediate thoughts, the, I mean, the standouts, the, the two young wings, Rui and Denny, um, impressive uh, in just different ways. Uh, Denny, the way he, the, the pace he plays with, you know, I always tell with young guys, you know, when they first come out the gate, they just, it's easy to speed them up and they play at a hundred miles an hour because, you know, it's the jitters, they're nervous, they're not used to the pro comp, but like, then he looked like he was, that's just what he do. And I, and I guess that's the, the Euro league experience. He's been around pros all his life, all his playing life. So that's easy for him. He never looked sped up. Like if he wanted to get somewhere, he was going to get, get there and he was going to do it at his own pace. Um, and Rui just looked more deliberate, like how he wanted. He was kind of little trying to. I feel like the first half he was trying to do stuff that I guess he felt like he could get away with typically. But Kevin Durant is actually a good defender. Yeah. Um, so Kevin Durant quickness kind of negated some of the stuff he was trying to get to. And then in the second half, I think he settled in and realized he had a strength advantage on KD, got into his body more. And then you saw him be more effective. And then, the, and then the jump shot, the three ball was hit. So uh, I, I really came away from that like, wow, we really have some some wing, some really good young wing talent on this team now, um, which you I probably wouldn't have said, you know, when all of the whole <laughs> Ubre auto trades was going down. And then you just, you know, we were stuck with an empty, empty cup. So. Before we talk uh, on the Wizards players, I-, I wanted to touch on the Nets really quick. Um, I mean, provided Kyrie and KD stay healthy and they don't give up too many pieces and a James Harden trade or something like that, I mean, th- they look like a top 3-4 team in the East. J- just based off last night, I mean, Kyrie looked really good. I know that not every team is going to be putting Hollow Neto out there to-, to guard Kyrie every time, but man, Kyrie and KD looked really good and their role players... Uh, Looked pretty yeah. solid as well. So um, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Kyrie and KD. If anyone thought that either of them was going to miss any sort of step um, coming back from the injuries that they were dealing with, I think that you can pretty much rule that out. Yeah, for sure. They, I mean, they look, Kyrie definitely looked explosive. Um, yeah. I mean, he was getting anywhere he wanted, which I would expect against, uh, uh, you know, a third string point guard. Like you're supposed to get anywhere you want. Um <laughs> Kevin Durant, he, you know, he 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 looked he looked good. He didn't look as good as Kyrie did, um, and I think some of that had to actually do with the defense Rui was playing on him. Um, again, yeah. once he realized he had a strength advantage, and you know, he was able to actually move his feet well. Uh, I think that made some shots for KD a little difficult. That that size, that physicality on him. Um, but yeah, I think the Nets gonna be good, man. I still worry about their defense though. Uh, they ain't really guard nobody. So, yeah. And then 
some of it has to do with preseason still, I think. And um, another thing I will say, and I tweeted this out as well, as I still don't like how tic-tacky the refs are being. And I know that in preseason, they, tip- they typically like to uh, blow more whistles than normal just to uh, make sure that I guess no one gets injured or anything like that. But I, I right. still, I-, I just, I didn't like the refereeing that was um, going on last night. Way too many fouls. Um, it seemed like both ends really had no idea what was going on. Um, on the on the yeah. defensive side, I mean, and even at times offensively, even though the Wizards still put up points, it's like they they just had no clue um, what was going on. Well, so, I mean, it's preseason. It's preseason for the refs too, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. But I mean, <laughs> j- just from the bubble and stuff too, because I thought the refereeing was awful in the bubble too. I'm just tired. Like there was a time where Spencer Dinwiddie was driving on Troy Brown last night, and you know, yeah. you're do what you're told how to defend. He yeah, he had an arm bar out. To, to guard Dinwiddie because you can't just put your chest out there and guard him, right? You, like, you have to have your arm kind of out there a little bit. And Dinwiddie just throws his arms up without even seriously attempting a shot. Yeah. And they blow the whistle and he's at the line. They blow the whistle. Yeah. It's just that that was terrible to me. Um, that stuck out as me. It's something that I just I, I they they need to clean that up because it's not fun. Um, if if it's impossible for guys to play defense anymore, then I mean, it, I mean, I just, think that's the league they want. I mean, they want it. It's a ticky tack league now where. If you know you get your hand caught in the cookies, y'all, they're gonna call it. Like you can't, you can't. There's no more hand checking. There's no more uh, playing defense with your arms. Like it's, it's all slide your feet. But um, so, like for you personally, because for me, you know my stance on it. But like, is is that a fun product for you to watch? Because to me, it's just like it's not fun. It's not aggressive. I would like to see better violence. I think, I think the the two thousands era. The early 2000s era was that perfect balance, mm-hmm. whereas now I think it's too far on the other side of the spectrum. Whereas like yeah. the 90s, it was too far the other way. Like it was, right. you know, nobody wants to see no 80 to 85 scoring games. Like you don't want to see that either, do you? No, but I mean, even just like something like either from the, the high 80s to the low 100s, like again, like we saw in that era that you talked about, that was like the perfect balance. I just think now it's like, it's not fun to, to to watch anymore when guys constantly get 120 a night. And I know yeah, that. Yeah, I um, don't want to see that either. Yeah. The 120 uh, a night, everybody, you know, some nights they flirt with 150. Like, yeah, you know, 70 points at the half every game. Like, yeah, I don't want to see that either. But Yeah, um, and uh, give the credit where it's due because the players now, everyone can shoot now for the most part. Everyone is able to stretch the floor because – of the influence that was going on when stretch bigs really started to become a big deal, um, you know, five or six years ago. So everyone now that was in high school that was still developing their game or even in middle school and they get up to that college level. I mean, by that time they've already developed that ability to shoot in some aspects. So mostly everyone is able to come into the league today, ready to shoot, which makes guys harder to guard. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, yeah. It's and then you can't put your hands on guys. Like I mean, you got Steph Curry on the island and he bopping you left and right, and you know he can pull up from thirty five feet. I mean, it's it, the only way you can guard that is with hand checking. Like, there's no guarding that unless you just know where he's going to go with the ball, which is impossible. Um, so it is what it is, man. Like you know. And it, I just hope, I just hope maybe when this new CBA come up, you know, they maybe add some things 
that could kind of make it easier to play play you know defense man man to man. Um, because I just feel like now it's like anybody can go off for twenty now for real. Right. Um. So uh, yeah, just quick shout out to the Nets. I just wanted to um give them a shout out because I thought they played an excellent Mike D'Antoni brand of basketball last night with a ton of threes. And to their credit, it worked. I mean, I know they barely got a win against um without our two to three best players, depending on who you think our third best player is. But um good showing from the Nets and their offense and the shooting and all that. Um but going back to the Wizards, I mean, yeah, Denny looked incredible. And I know that he probably is I mean, well he's he's not gonna go like three or three from the three point line every night. I'm I'm sure he'll have nights where he'll be like one for five, oh for four, oh for six, stuff like that. But um very encouraging to see him shoot the ball the way he did. And just overall, just play with confidence. He he's not scared to bring the ball up the floor. And he said it post game himself. Like he's he's just not scared of anything. Um he's handling the ball well. He had a nice play where he set up the offense, came around a screen, I believe, and found Wagner under the rim, uh wide open for a one-handed slam. So that was a good play. He had a nice little floater in the second half um on the baseline, I believe. Um so good play. And then he yep. had the the poise to hit the shot to end the half there. Um so good overall showing from Denny. I don't think how I I I don't see how he's not the starting three um, because, again, I think that if you talk about the bench and you have Ish, uh, Jerome Robinson, you need someone at the three, which you would assume would either be Troy Brown or Denny, uh, depending on who you'd rather start and come off the bench. And then you have um, Bertans. And then at this point, I'm just going to say Mo Wagner because he played better last night, but it, it will probably be Lopez just because they paid him the money. Um, but so that leaves Bonga out of the rotation. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I I was I was reading uh, Kat's article uh, a couple of days ago when they were, you know, he was going over the, the five guys in contention for the spot, you know, and just what possibly their thinking can be on it. And, you know, it's really more about fit, not necessarily who's the best player to Right, exactly. So I I just feel like for me personally, I just feel like Bonga's shooting is so bad that it, it would literally be like playing Andre Ro- Roberson. Like it would be exactly it's four on five on offense. Yeah, it's it's four on five on offense. And then, yeah. and then you're doing that with a Russell Westbrook in a Rui on the floor. I just that to me, I don't like. Okay, yeah, it's a good fit defensively, but offensively, it's horrible. Like your spacing, no. Like I, I just nobody is is closing out on Bonga, um, you know the way they would. I mean, based on just this one game, we saw a Denny like, um. You know, just off the fact that he's he's even willing to attempt those shots, um, I just think defensively it changes how you how you guard the Wizards. So, um, but then if if and somebody mentioned this earlier, if Bonga isn't starting, where is he? Like, is he? And and I think this is the best role for him. Is just kind of like a a gadget defender. Like he's just somebody you deploy, you know, in the fourth quarter. 
you know, just to get some fouls on a guy, to tire a guy out, give him a different look. But he's not a starter to me. I I, I don't care what the analytics say. He's just he's yeah. not a starter. No. Um, he's not. And Denny being able to space the floor, I think, also it, it is it bodes his his way for, that he should be in the starting lineup because. Russ is going to be doing his thing off the bounce. You're going to need guys who can shoot. We've said this since the offseason. They needed to get some sort of shooting production from the wing. And if you're able to go with small ball lineups, like say you want to put Rui at the five for a little bit and you have Bertans in, and then you have Abdia in there at the three, and he's shooting the way he is, and then you also have Brad at the two, and, as, and Rui has an improved jumper, it looks like. I mean, that has the potential to be a very, very dangerous lineup. Um, but yeah. I would I would definitely start Denny at this point. I, I don't think there's a reason to start anyone else unless they really just want to start Jerome Robinson for whatever reason. But I don't see how at this point you justify b- – between the wings that they have now, I don't see how you justify Bonga getting any minutes. I just don't. Yeah, I don't either. I, I, I just – yeah, I don't – I personally still think they should um... – because, I mean, now that Harden has clearly made it known that he, you know, doesn't want to be in Houston anymore, even with Wall and Boogie there, uh, that to me definitely means P.J. Tucker is not staying around. So I think – I still think they should go try to see what it takes to go get P.J. Um, yeah, then he, yeah. Then he can still be your starter, but then you also have a veteran there, kind of like, you know, the Paul Pierce effect. He's on a one-year expiring deal. You know, you can bring him in, and he's going to have a positive impact on those young guys there. And then, you know, when it's when it's winning time, you have a guy you can deploy that can make shots and can really guard guard guys. Um, he's going to communicate out there and defend at a high level because I still don't really think they have that on the roster. Like, I like – I actually like Denny's defense too. Like, yeah. I didn't see him really get beat by anybody. And he, um, was, he was just sound. When guys yeah. tried going at him – he kept his hands up and he kept his body in check. He he didn't lean forward or anything like that. Um, didn't foul. That's the nope. key. Being able to guard without fouling. Um, and, and and that was the thing I saw with Bonga. Like even when he made solid defensive attempts, he would foul. And it's like, okay, well, what difference does it make if you're gonna foul? Because you're putting guys like KD, Tatum, those type of guys. Those are eighty-five percent plus shooters. You put them on a free throw line, that's free points. So what are you really defending um, if you're going to foul every time? So, I, I again, I'm, I really don't care what the analytics say. Bunga is not a starter to me. We know what a starter looks like. <laughs> yeah, and that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> um, that's and, not and real it, quick, man. Let's give a huge shout-out to Tommy Shepard real quick. And you can agree, disagree with other moves that he's made, but – me and you have said all the time, and, and you said it before we hopped on the show here, but if you want to win and you want to have sustained success in the NBA, you need to have wings who can play both ways. And now what have they drafted the past two drafts? They've drafted yep. those, those wings that can play both ways. I mean, and for Rui, you have to be really excited about him. And I know KD made some, made some shots against him yesterday and contested at that, but we've now seen him have good games against Kevin Durant, Kawhi, and Giannis. Those are guys that are yep. as good as it gets. Yep. 
And then you add, don't get better than that. <laughs> no. And then you add the potential of Denny, who's probably could grow to be even like six eleven. Yeah. Um, who's lengthy and a patient defender. I mean, you're talking about if once if Beal eventually decides he doesn't want to be here anymore and um Russ's contract is up and all that. I mean, I think you have two pieces right there that you can confidently go into the future of your franchise and say, like, we, we have our two guys that, you know, can can lead the team. Um, you know, you certainly want to see them develop a little bit more before you can say that comfortably. But, but I mean, I, yeah. I definitely like um, those two as the centerpieces of the franchise going forward, um, again, should things break up and, and be a once out eventually. Yeah, I mean, those, I mean, those two guys are, are guys that no matter what happens – you needed those. You needed those two guys. Like you needed them with Wall Bill or Russ Bill, yeah. and you damn sure gonna need them if those guys are all gone. Yeah. Um, I mean, because again, that's where the that's where the games are won. They're won on the wing. So I, I just feel like, and then the versatility of them. You know, I, I like Rui having a mid range game already, and just that natural brute strength he has and you know the big hands and the, the athleticism he has and then baby that's a that's a nice foundational base to build off uh because again you're you're talking about somebody who already had an offensive game without a three ball and he has the mechanics to add it that's that's nothing but reps and just tweaking you know the arc on his shot a little bit and then boom all of a sudden you got a 20 point per game two-way wing and then, and then Denny, who, you know, already had pro experience coming over. He's six nine, six ten, wing with handle, and we're finding out that he can actually shoot. Uh, you know that that's where the league is won. That's where the league is won. You want the the some version of a Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, or or Paul George Kawhi, despite what we might think of Paul George's playoff. Uh, failures but that's how you want to build your team so you know i i gotta give it to tommy man like um this might be a, another draft where you know you look back three four years from now when you say you know damn they picked outside of the top five but the guy they pick in a redraft would go top five yeah um so so yeah definitely credit to tommy and john wall is 100 percent punching air one hundred percent, because if <laughs> if he had guys like Denny and Rui in the front court, along with like along with like Gortat, and then with Beal, I mean, this team is that's like a that's like a top three team in the East. Um, like to be to be nice we, about it. Why we couldn't get this type of t- team like five six years ago? I just and, and real quick, just because um, I do want to touch on this, can, can we talk about how how good and not good, how fantastic John Wall looks? Um, I know yeah, it's the man. first two preseason games. I know it's against Kobe White and Sadoransky. I get it. I do. And, and Levine's not a good defender. I get it. But, man, he he hasn't lost a step. And um, I'm just thinking, like, in hindsight, I know we haven't seen Russ play yet, and I'm still excited that Russ is here. It's not a – this isn't anything against Russ. It's just – No, no, no. Those shots are Russ. Don't uh, – yeah. It, I'm just – I'm wondering if this, if we're going to look back on this and say the Wizards should not have made this trade because I'll tell you what, if their only reason, well, if their biggest reason to move him was they didn't think he was going to be as good when he came back, I mean, I, I think that Ted and Tommy are in for a rude awakening because he, he looks great. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, I think, 
you know, with John, like, I just think they wanted a shot in the arm move because, you know, it had been 10 years, you know, it hadn't reached the level that I guess everyone involved wanted. And, you know, one thing with Russ, you can bank on his his work ethic and his consistency. And that's something you can use to to help the young guys in the locker room. And I just think everybody involved just kind of got tired of the questions and uh, the Brad Wall like each other and the videos and the, you know, you know, the cussing out certain coaches and all that. Like, I just think it was just, it was just time in their minds to just try something else. Because I mean, what's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result. So I just think they just went and just went and did the deal hoping to give the team a boost in a multitude of different ways in the locker room, nationally, media wise, because they the Wizards definitely been getting some love since they made that move. Um, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't seen this much Wizards coverage and casual fans paying attention to the Wizards since shoot. I don't even know since when, honestly, quite honestly, because it's always been, you know, the Wizards uh, fan base. But as far as those casual observers, this is the first time I've seen it, really. Um, so I, I think that's a good thing, and we'll see how it go. But, I mean, like you say, Wall looks, Wall looks amazing, man. Like, and he's finally in a system that is catered to his ability. Five wide, pick and pop bigs. Everybody can shoot. Lane is open, fast pace. What we've been asking for for uh, you know ten years now, and yeah. then he had to go leave to get it. <laughs> and you, you're talking about a, a coach in Steven Silas who had a number one offense with Luca last year, and now you giving him John Wall, man. John gonna eat. He might mess around, have his best season ever in that offense. Yeah, I mean, it certainly wouldn't surprise me with the numbers he's been able to put up even in his limited minutes. And again, I know every team is not going to be as bad defensively as as the Bulls because the Bulls are a complete disaster. But um, really good two showings from John. Boogie also looks very very good, I must say. And, and this is so this is what I was talking about. I am not in the crowd of okay, a guy suffered a major injury, so now he's going to be garbage. I I, just, I don't I don't stand by that opinion. I'm always you play them, and then if you figure out they're not as good, then you give them a minimized role, or you try and move them, and you go from there. But I just hate rolling guys out before they've even had a chance to prove it. And, and so Boogie was another yeah. guy. I was like, yeah, maybe we should sign as a free agent center. You know, if we were gonna keep Wall just because of the connection there. And I mean, Boogie looks like a starting center. I mean, I mean, no doubt about it. He sure does. He sure does. I, I just always when when it comes to major injuries. I, I look at it from a dollars and cents standpoint and the expectation. Like what I what I didn't want is, you know, we signed Boogie, you know, to this deal, like, you know, 15 million a year with the expectation that he's our starting center and he he's gonna play 30 minutes a game. Like that to me, I'm like, ah. Now, do you take a flyer on those guys? Sure. I mean, I think he's playing on what, a minimum deal right now? Right, and that's what I'm saying. So it's not like we yeah, couldn't yeah. offer that. We got Isaiah yeah. Thomas for a minimum deal. So yeah, like you give him a minimum deal, you know, and whatever he give you is bonus. You know, right. um, the the Isaiah Thomas deal, like I, I feel like that was, uh, yeah, I, I I still don't get that, but um, 
I mean, because they, I mean, they played, played him. Like, he was starting. He was playing 25 minutes a game. Like, he, and I knew they, I know they saw the defensive numbers on that dude within the first 10 games, but they kept playing him. Yeah. Um, it, was, it wasn't like they did it like how the Rockets did Melo where they gave it a 10-game run and they was like, okay, this is not working. Let's cut bait. Like, they kept they kept playing them. So, um, yeah, but 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 yeah, man, Boogie Boogie looks good. I'm I'm happy to see it, man. And I know him having his guy, his brother Wall there with him, man. That's that's like, you know, that's extra motivation to try to try to prove doubters wrong, man. When you got your your boy right next to you doing it. Yeah, and if they can just play up and down, not like I mean, I know the system's going to be a little bit different because D'Antoni's not there anymore. But if you can still play at a at a very fast pace, get John and down up in the up the floor, find shooters. I mean, there's no reason this team still can't compete for one of the bottom spots in the West, even without Harden. Now, if you're talking about adding oh, yeah. James Harden, maybe that takes away some of the things they're able to do. Maybe it adds some stuff. But I mean, if you, if you add another player like Harden, I mean, you're you're definitely going to be um, involved in the playoffs in some aspect. But I mean, again, even if he's not there, I think that. John has shown that he can do enough to find guys like Macklemore, like Eric Gordon. Um, who else do they got out there? Gerald Green. I mean, he can find the shooters, Cousins. And then you're talking about adding Christian Wood to this, who yep. we haven't seen. So, um, uh, yeah, six foot ten, big with handle and can shoot it. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think they're gonna be fine, man. Like, um, even even if they trade Harden and. I'm thinking the most the deal that makes most sense is bringing Ben Simmons back just to get the best asset. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see Ben Simmons fitting into that offense because I trust, I trust Silas' ability to, to to draw up an offense around Ben Simmons's Ben Simmons' skill set because they will probably put Ben at the four. I don't and think John Shot. John Shot is is not piss poor anymore. John Shot no. is 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 good. Yeah, it's clear he's been working on that. Um, yeah. You know, he's had two years to do so. So, yeah, it's clear he's been working on that. It's definitely become more one motion. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to help his range. I mean, you know, so I, I think Ben and John will actually work in that Silas-type offense where either one of them grabbing it and they're gone. Like, you're not, you're not stopping either one of them dudes on a fast break. So I, I'd imagine you get them two on the same team, you're going to lead the league in fast break points. Um, yeah, and then you know, half court offense wise, I think Wall will have the ball more, and then you will see Ben in more of an off ball role where he's catching it in a position to score because he he has some nice touch around the rim, like he got some little hook shots, floaters, mm-hmm. that type of stuff in the paint, but he can't really use all of that if he out playing on the perimeter with the ball in his hand. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think they're gonna be fine either way, man. They got a good coach. Like, that's kind of the hire that I wanted the Wizards to do. You know, a young yeah. offensive mind off somebody's bench. But I guess we got Rover Brooks for right now. <laughs> yeah, and so actually that's a good um, – let's get into Scott Brooks a little bit more now because obviously with Russ coming over, there's a connection there. I mean, do you think there's a possibility that they extend him at this point? My opinion is yes. I was always of the opinion, even if – he he wasn't great the past few years or so. If he did enough to prove to ownership and the GM that he deserved to be here for another two to three years, 
I'm fine with that. But for me, overall, I still haven't really seen that. And then they brought in a coach who was uh, Longa Barty, who was supposed to, you know, fix the defense. Right. The defense defense is still not good. So I – Yeah. I, I definitely think he will get some sort of extension, even if it's like two years just to match up with Brad, um, Brad and Russ. Right. But I just, I don't, from like an overall picture, taking the roster out of it, I don't see how you extend Brooks. I'm sure they will. I'm just not impressed with what he does overall as a coach. Yeah, it's, 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 and, uh... It's tough, man, because it's like, how do you judge him based off these last two years without his best players and, yeah. and, and essentially a G League roster that kind of Tommy just kind of just threw together off the whim as best he could? Like, how do you evaluate that, you know, a head coach in that? Like, I can only evaluate him on when I saw him having a full roster in games that matter. And I just I, I feel like he left a lot to be desired that that not playing Ubre. That to me is that's going to stick to me forever because I feel like if they play Ubre, they win that series because it was so many games where I'm like the Wizards are the better team. Like we're deeper, we got more athleticism, we got the two probably the two most talented players in Wall and Bill. Even though Isaiah Thomas that year was having an amazing season, mm-hmm. um, so I'm like we should win. But I felt like Brad Stevens was just coaching circles. Around uh, around Brooks, so you know that was the difference. And and now you have a situation where you got Russ here, and you know it's other coaching staff members from his OKC days, and it just looks like to me that Brooks is going to be here as long as Russ is here. Like you're mm-hmm. not going to fire Brooks next year with Russ still being here for another year or two. Like I could definitely see you know, a two-year extension coming and them locking those three guys together, Bill, Russ, and Brooks. Um, mm-hmm. And then if it fails, it fails, and then all three of them go. Yeah. Uh, and then you still have Denny and Rui, and then you bring in a fresh young coach. Right, right. But but to Brooks' credit and to his, his I guess, his, rec- his, his uh, reputation coming into D.C., he has been a good player development coach. Like Yes, yes, he has. Um, I, I, I got to give him credit for that. My only question with him is his lineups and his X's and O's. Like X's and O's are awful. Lineups are awful. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the situation awareness, the adjustments in-game. Like, I just feel like Eric Spostra, the Brad Stevens, uh, I mean, those guys are the elite of the elite, and I don't think – Brooks can compete on that level with them. So we'll see. We'll see. He he got opportunity to prove 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 us wrong here this year. Cause it's go time now. This dude, I oh gosh. And I like for guys like Jerome Robinson, like he is very good at implementing players very quick. Like for guys that they quickly acquire, he he's good at getting guys involved. Um we saw that with Trevor Ariza when they acquired him, what was that, a couple years ago, um, and, and he fit in right away. He's good at getting guys acclimated, um, and he's good at developing the young players. But, I mean, this is the same guy who threw out Isaiah Thomas and Ish Smith on the court at the same time. And then, after saying that it didn't work in the bubble, he throws out Smith and Napier out there at the same time. So, I'm... <laughs> 
<laughs> I just again his, but it's his like lineups, but it's like but does that but does that happen if you have John Wall healthy? Like you probably never see that lineup ever. Yeah. If you have a healthy John Wall. Like I, I just think he was just throwing shit at the wall unless he was stuck at that point. Um Yeah. And then with <laughs> with playing Thomas Bryant at the four, and I said this from the beginning, like and some fans still think this. Guys, Thomas Bryant is not a four. He cannot play the four. He cannot play the four. He is not skilled enough to play the four. He is a five. He may be an undersized five, but you gotta make your bed and lay in it because that's just what he is. You think he's bad at the five. What do you think he's going to be at the four? He's going to be even worse. I, I think offensively, I can see the merit to playing him at the four. I mean, shoot, uh, Mo Bogner was playing the four last night. Um, yeah, but my I issue you, is defensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defensively, it would be a disaster for sure. But I, offensively, yeah, I think he could play the four. Um, shoot, probably 20 years ago, he would be a four. Uh, no, 10 but, years ago, he'd be a four. Yeah, 10 years ago, he'd be a four. But I just don't think you do that now. That's not a serious thing to even consider at this point. Um, yeah, it's just it's just not. Uh, but, I mean, again, I just think at that point, it was Brooks in the last season. We all knew it was a development year. You know, let's throw some shit at the wall. Let's see what sticks. And at least we go into the next year knowing what we shouldn't be doing. You know, that's information, too. So, uh <laughs> You know, but now it's go time, man. It's go time now. You don't bring a 32-year-old Russell Westbrook here to be experimenting. Nope. Yeah, you know, the results got to be go. there. It's time to go now. It's time to go. People coaching for jobs, roster spots. It's time to go now. So get to it. Yeah, and so let's actually um, let's get more into the regular season. I know that we still got a couple more preseason games against Detroit. Yes, Detroit. Um. Probably won't learn anything much that we don't already know now. Um, we know that Rui's a dog. We know that Denny's a dog. Uh, we don't know if Russ and Brad will play those games. I I would assume they they – see, I don't know. I wouldn't play them. What I would do with them is I would play them for most of the first quarter in the first half and then play them for about half of the third quarter, and then I would pull them um, j- just to make sure that they get some run in there. I, I wouldn't play them a whole lot. Um same thing with Bertans. Um, but, I mean, what do you – especially seeing how Denny's played now, I mean, how does your outlook change on how the roster looks overall heading into uh, opening night against Philly? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I – kind of going back to what I was saying a little bit earlier, I still think they need that one more wing piece, but, I mean – uh, you know, right now, I think you you play it out with the young guys, and and it seems like this is what they're going to do. They're going to play it out, see how these guys look, um, and then they'll make adjustments or necessary trades after that because they now have the salaries and whatnot to to put a package together. So, mm-hmm. um, and then as you know, matching up with Philly when that game comes, um, well, the Philly team that's currently in place, I'll say that. Uh, because we don't know what trade they might, you know, they might right, make. Right. Um, you know, I think we match up well with with them. I mean, they're definitely not gonna be able to guard Brandon and Russ. Uh, but then we we ain't gonna be able to guard Embiid either. So, uh, you know, it's gonna be a it it'll be a nice little dog fight. Um, but I 
I put the Wizards in that bracket, like that next tier of teams, man. Like I, I feel like it's really only on talent. I feel like it's really only like three teams that are, I would say, head and shoulders above the Wizards right now, just from a talent standpoint and coaching. Miami, um, Boston, and Brooklyn. No, Milwaukee, uh, Brooklyn, okay. Boston. Those okay. three. Um, I like Miami. I don't really trust their high end talent like that. Like okay. I think Jimmy Butler is a good player. I don't think he's a great player. I think Bam is a good player. I don't think he's a great player. Um, I think Tyler Hero is getting a little overrated too. But uh, that's a discussion it's, for another day. That's yeah, because <laughs> he's white. <laughs> I mean, he played well. I mean, for a rookie, he played exceptionally well in the playoffs. But again, it's a bubble playoffs. And you basically putting these guys in an AAU setting, that's a little bit easier for them. They ain't got to travel. They ain't got to deal with road crowds and none of that. Like, it's different. Um, yeah. So I think that, you know, the, the heat getting the hype that they're getting is a little bit fluky. But, um, but yeah, those are the three teams. I got Celtics, Nets. Celtics, next Bucks, and then I think the Wizards could be in that next group with the Heat, the Raptors, uh, whoever else you want to throw in there that'll compete for spots four through six. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you go with your play-in team. So you know, I, I you know, I like I like our chances, man. I think I think we on the right track for sure. How much does adding Drew Holiday change, like your opinion? on the Bucks from last season to this season because I still think Drew Holiday is a good player and he's he's certainly going to help but I still just like when it comes to playoff time I I'm still I'm just not a Giannis guy I'm just not and Gil said <laughs> it and Gil said it best like he just he, he's just not a he's not a best he doesn't have the skill like you know like he has skill I'm I'm not I'm struggling to figure out how to word this but he he relies on athleticism too much like there I feel like there's a lack of instinct there's a lack of IQ um you, yeah, you know so what I mean I, I feel you I think that's because we're looking at Giannis through the prism of a perimeter player and when you think of a perimeter player you're thinking Kobe Jordan uh you know KD Kawhi all guys who have elite uh, shooting ability, elite scoring ability. They got spots on the floor that you know when they get there, it's a bucket. Mm-hmm. And Giannis don't have that. But I think we need to change how we look at Giannis and not see him as a perimeter player, but see him more. To me, he's a center. Like he's really just a he's he's a he's. I feel like he's basically. Uh, like a uh, uh, re I don't want to say Shaq, but he's like a. He, <laughs> I don't even want to say new age Shaq, but he's he's a new age five to me. Like he's a he's a big man in a in a wing player's body. Um, so I don't look at him anymore in that vein of like, oh, he's got to shoot, he's got to be able to get to this spot, hit that elbow jumper, and turn around, fade away, all that. Like that, he's never gonna have that. What I would like to see him get, and hopefully, and maybe Budenholzer uh, will add this to their offense, is where he's able to catch it in certain spots, turn, go up, or yeah. like a little floater, 
or a little turnaround, 10-footer in that paint area. Abuse guys in the paint. But all the 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 same old, same old, give it to him at the top of the key, dribble, bro, you know, bulldoze to the lane, lay up, Euro step, lay up. Like, that's easy as hell to guard when the game slow down, man. Like, he's yeah. got to get, like, one move, one post move. He don't need to be – he don't need to be Kawhi. He don't need to be KD. He don't need to be those guys. He need to be Giannis, but he needs to have at least one move at the rim mm-hmm. where he can catch it, even jab step it, boom, pull up, give you a little, you know, 10-foot jumper or catch it, floater, hook shot, whatever. I don't care what it is, but it needs to be a – he needs a go-to move that he can get to when the game slows down and the defense is walled up, you know, in a move that can 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 bring a double team. Like, mm-hmm. uh-oh, like Giannis got it on the block. We got sent two. And then when he can pass it, boom, now you got shooters everywhere. But but that whole just give it to me at the top of the key, bulldoze, bulldoze, Euro step, bulldoze, bulldoze turnover like that's not you know like Gil said that's not gonna it's not gonna get it done it's basically the same shit Harden is doing just with a guy that's 6'10 um so I, I you know I I think he needs though he needs his Kobe like mm-hmm. he's a Shaq that needs his Kobe like he I needs agree. a perimeter player that's equally as talented as him that can close games like, like if they had a perfect piece Exactly. Like if they had, if they got rid of Middleton and Drew Holiday and was able to bring in Bradley Beal, I would pick them to win the finals. Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't go make that move. You know, like if they had got, if they had got Chris Paul somehow to add to Middleton, I would have picked them to win the finals. Mm -hmm. They didn't go do it. I think Drew Holiday is marginally better than Bledsoe at this stage in his career. Like defensively, he's better. Offensively, he's slightly better, but he's not a closer to me. He's not a guy I say, here you go, Drew Holiday. Take me home. Yeah. You know, it's fourth quarter, five minutes left in the game. We down by two, or you know, we're trying to close the team out. We just need bucket. He ain't the guy I'm giving the ball to. I'm I I I don't see that in his game unless somebody been watching another Drew Holiday the last yeah. couple of years. Um, so I, I think they kind of still in the same position that they going they were in last year. Now, if they had got the uh Bogdanovich youngin, that kid can score it, man. Like yeah. he got ice water in his veins. Like he's the guy that can get you them clutch buckets. But they didn't close the deal or they botched that. So yeah, yeah I don't I don't know. I still think they're gonna win. They're gonna be on a 60 win pace like they always are, though. Just off of Giannis being dominant. Um, right, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, because I, I mean, playoff time. If we have to go against the Bucks, like if for some reason we get the eight seed or whatever, and Milwaukee's the first, like I'm not scared of that. No, I'm not yeah. either. I'm not either. And, and even like I know I'm not saying Rui's better than Giannis because he's clearly not there yet. But like if Giannis had just a couple go to moves like Rui has, I mean, it's a wrap. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because he he has everything else. Yeah. He has everything else, man. Like he, it, it, he has everything else. So if he just had a, just any type of post move, 
just a one one or two go to moves that he could get to regularly that doesn't require him taking the ball from the top of the key and trying to go through a brick wall for a euro step layup like he would be unstoppable he would be unstoppable he would be in conversations for probably greatest of all time but that's that one thing is is holding him back and i i don't know that he ever is going to have it which is why i say he needs that guy on the perimeter that's as talented as him that can help him close games. Yeah. Um, so let's get in really quick to our first three opponents, which stretches out to five games. So we touched on Philly uh, briefly. Uh, D, well, we'll get to the summary in a second. But the next two opponents we play after that, we play Orlando twice, and then we play Chicago twice. I mean, these are, I mean, if the Wizards take care of business early on. I mean, you're talking about a possible 5-0 and start uh, to start the season before I think after that they play Brooklyn. Let me see what I have real quick in front of me. Um, let's see, Philly. Uh, oh, Minnesota and then Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they really could start 6-0 and um, mm-hmm. provided they take care of Philly. Uh, but, I mean, what do you think about Orlando and then Chicago, and if you want to add anything else about Philly, I mean, feel free. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Orlando this offseason kind of got worse by default because they just really didn't do anything, really. I mean, they lost they lost DJ Augustine, but then they drafted Cole Anthony, similar skill yeah. sets. Uh, you know, they're going to be bench scoring guards. Um. Let me look at Orlando's roster. Let me pull that up while you're talking. Yeah, so I, I, I they didn't really, they didn't do anything. I don't even know if they met with any free agents. Like I didn't hear anything about what they were doing this offseason um, to to say that they got better. I feel like the conference got better around them. So by default, to me, that means they got worse. Um, yeah, they did. One hundred percent. They're gonna compete. You know, they have an All Star five. Uh, they have solid pieces. Isaac is out for the year. That's a big blow for them. Um, yeah, that's so. Suck. You know, I I think they're going to be one of the middling, pesty teams that annoy you. Might steal a game from you here and there, but ultimately they're going to be like a nine, ten, eleven seed. Um, so the Wizards should beat them. Um, that'll be a good test to see that Russell Westbrook effect, like. You know, that team that you look and you say, oh, yeah, we got more talent than them. We should beat them. Now, go out there and beat them. All right, I, I have their roster pulled up. So I'll run through their roster. But first, their best additions in the offseason were Cole Anthony and Dwayne Bacon. Everyone else is oh. pretty much back. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so let me run through their roster real quick. Um, so they, they still have Aminu, who did not play in the bubble, I believe. Or did he play in the bubble? I thought he was injured. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not even sure. Well, anyway, uh, so yeah, then they have Cole Anthony, Dwayne Bacon, Mo Bamba, Ken Birch, former Wizards, Summer League great. Um, they have, or they took Jordan Bone. I believe he was with Detroit as a two-way player last year. Um, Michael Carter-Williams, Gary Clark, who was a nice little spark for them last year. James Ennis, and eh. Evan Fournier, Wizard killer. Uh, Markel <laughs> Fultz, Aaron Gordon. 
Terrence Ross and Vucevic. So, I mean, again, I agree with you. I think they'll kind of be a team that they'll be more of a pest than a serious threat. And I'm sure like they'll be a team that if you play them late in the year, you might lose to them. And you're going to be like, man, I wish that we had had that game like for, for standing wise um, for the playoffs. But I definitely don't, I'm, I'm sure they'll still be involved in the mix for those late seeds, but I mean, I still think the Wizards are better than them. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I mean, I'm just looking. I'm looking at their depth chart now. Like, I just don't see where the scoring is is going to come from. Like, I think they'll definitely compete defensively, but they don't have that high end score, particularly on the wing, or a guy that you you know you say close the game. You um, gotta hope Markel Fultz evolves this year. That's what you gotta hope for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I. I don't know. I thought I thought at one point uh, a trade for Demar Derozan was on the table for them. Mm-hmm. I think he would fit well there, slide him right in that small forward spot. But then it's like, okay, well, what are you giving up to get him though? Right. They don't have much um, to give up, so they don't have much to give up. Like they don't have a young piece that you know that's under twenty five. Where you're like, yeah, I want that guy. He's he might be a future all star. Let me get that guy. Like they don't have that guy on their team. So they're kind of limited in what they're going to be able to do. Yeah. And then, um, so, and then going into Chicago, I mean, their roster isn't any better. Um, I, yeah. I guess they'll, they'll start Kobe White. I think that, um, who's their coach now? Billy Donovan, right? Yep. I, Billy. I think that, did Billy Donovan, did he start Kobe White in both those games? Yes. Kobe's okay. the starter. It okay. damn sure ain't Sato. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Jim Jim Boylan was starting Sato. That's why I I didn't know if they were still starting him or not. I would have started Kobe White last year just to get him the experience, but uh, clearly the old man felt different. Um, but so I assume they're starting lineup would be White, Levine, Op, Yuck, um, Markinen, Yuck, and Wendell Carter, Yuck. So I mean, I ain't mean, really got no choice. <laughs> yeah, and then off the bench, I mean, you have Sadoransky. Um, is Thaddeus Young still with them, or is he somewhere else? Oh, no, he's somewhere else now, I think. Oh, no, he's still with them. Okay. Um, Patrick Williams, Denzel Valentine, uh, Garrett Temple. I mean, they got some Chandler Hutchinson, Daniel Gafford. They got some guys off the bench. It's just, it's not really that impressive to me. Uh, I don't see any reason why the Wizards shouldn't be able to win both those games. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls roster, uh, I just think their roster is in flux. You know, they're paying Otto Porter $28 million on a last year of that deal. Um, Zach Levine, I don't know what his future is with the team. I like Kobe White. I don't think he's a point guard. I think he's best suited as like a scorer. So if you're not going to have him in that role, it's going to be tough for him to kind of find his footing trying to be a playmaker and, you know, see plays ahead and get guys shots because he's a scorer. He's been that way since high school. You know, he he just wants to get a bucket. So I think you kind of limit him if you're going to try to turn him into a point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And then, you know, the rest of their roster, I'm just like, eh. You know, just a yeah. bunch of men. Right. Like Lori, Lori Marketing, he's a great shooter, but – he don't do nothing else. 
um, Wendell Carter. I don't know what he's actually great at. Like I just Not think saying. he's a jack of all, master of none. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and then you don't really have nothing behind those guys. So you're stuck with just mediocrity. Um, they needed they needed to get they needed to hit in that draft and get somebody that was going to kind of jolt them, like a Lamelo or you know uh, Obi Toppin. Uh, oh, like they needed that joke, that guy that was going to come in and was going to be able to compete for that rookie of the year. Like I, I like Pat Williams. I don't like him as a top five pick for a guy who couldn't even start at Florida State as a freshman. Yeah. Like, I just don't know how you square that. Like, how could you go top five in a draft, a weak draft, but still top five in a draft and you couldn't start at Florida State? Like, right. like I would have. Mean- I would have taken Denny over him. I, I could see if you couldn't start at like Duke or you know Kentucky because they bringing in five star dudes every year, right? But you couldn't start at Florida State and then you're a top five pick. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I've never seen that happen. The last time I seen that happen was was uh, Terrence Williams, and he turned out to be a role player. So, yeah, I think Terrence Williams is like the king of being like 70, 72 overall on 2K every year. <laughs> Solid 75 overall every year for like his yeah. whole career. Yeah. Um, I think, did he just, didn't he just retire? I don't know. <laughs> I don't keep up with that. I mean, he had a nice long career, but I mean, I remember when they were talking about him coming out and Atlanta took him number two overall. Instead of Chris Paul, and I was just like, "What the hell are y'all doing? This dude couldn't start at UNC. Why are you, why are you uh, drafting this man top three? Uh, yeah, but well, what did John yeah. Hollinger have to say about Patrick Williams? Ugh, don't even get me started on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't stand him, man. Y- you know, I. I like that former GMs and stuff, they get a platform so they can still like show everyone how terrible their basketball knowledge is. But yeah. it's, it's just comical to me that it's like guys that don't have a job anymore because they were terrible at it, like go around and like, they think yeah. that they know everything. And it's, and it's like, he says this stuff and then like, he's 100% confident and like believe oh, it and it's like he, dude. he he speaks in 100% absolute like if he says it it is so yeah and it's like i couldn't imagine ernie grunfeld getting on here writing <laughs> articles like that like are you serious dude the guy that drafted john vesley is on here talking like like he pat riley yeah <laughs> like get get the hell out of here man like that 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 those two lines I he dropped on Rui. I was just like, man, this dude should never have another job ever again. No, ever uh, again. Like, because <laughs> again, I guarantee you, people are going to look back on these past two drafts, and Denny and Rui are both going to be guys that fans of other teams are going to be like, yeah, we probably should have taken them. Because I guarantee you, you the Bulls are going to look back and say we should have taken um, Denny or Obi. Or, or someone like that. Because, again, I think Patrick Williams will be a fine player. I, I see him right now as kind of being that permanent, like, seventh or eighth guy off the bench. Um, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying they're, like, the same <laughs> player, but but kind of like what Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is now, like, kind of in that, like, 
that bench purgatory where you were picked high and like, yeah, we'll bring you in to I see think, what you I got. think he'll be better than MKG just because he shoots it better. Like, I think he has a natural stroke. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, talking he, about he, career path. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, he reminds me of Terrence, like, Terrence Williams. Like, literally, like, the athlete he is, like, the fact that he didn't start in college but then was a top five pick. And, like, the career trajectory, trajectory I, I see for him, like, he'll be able to play the three through the four. He'll be a good guy, you know, 10-plus-year career. He's going to be in everybody's, you know, top seven, top eight-man rotation. But I don't know about him as, like, a star. Like, you pick a guy fourth overall, you're trying to get a star. And, I, I mean, who – if you can think of one in the last 20-plus years – the last guy who was a freshman who didn't start in college who became a star in the NBA. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think Russell Westbrook didn't start as a freshman, but he started as a sophomore. Zach Levine, maybe? Zach Levine was UCLA. I don't think he started in college. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, yeah, I don't see it. <laughs> I mean, sometimes a- teams like to, like if you're their best scorer or something, or sometimes like teams just like bring in their best players off the bench just to like to balance out units, which is like we always say, and I'm not saying this is the same case, but I mean, we like Troy Brown off the bench with the bench unit, but it's not because we don't think he's a good player. It's just because like you mesh uh, better with that unit. Um, so maybe it has yeah. something to do with that. I don't know if that was ever explained from whoever Florida State's head coaches or whatever, but Yeah, as a scout, that would have been my first question. Like, why was this guy not starting? Because um, like with Patrick Williams, it's like, okay, say he doesn't go at four. I mean, who else takes him after that? I mean, probably no one until Well, they said Detroit. Late. They said Detroit really liked him, was was gonna take him at seven. Um I mean, at seven, I could understand, but top five. Would you take Dr. Williams over Killian Hayes? I wouldn't. No, no. Right. Like when I watch Killian, I see a guy that can like legitimately like get his own shot off, facilitate playmake. And he's a six foot five point guard. Like he reminds me of D'Angelo Russell. Um, Yeah. I'm not passing on that in a, in the league that we're in now for, a guy who couldn't start in college at Florida State at that. Again, if this was Duke or Kentucky or one of them top-end schools where you're bringing in five-star talent every year and you couldn't start, okay, I get it. And even that, I'm still kind of like, ah. But at Florida State, man, like, who was on Florida State team that you couldn't beat out? I guess Devin Vassell. But he was playing the, he was playing the three, though, right? I mean, Pat could easily played a four in college. I mean, that's what oh, he was yeah. playing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No, so, no. it's like, who the hell? I mean, I, I, yeah. Again, I that's just me. I just think historically, like, it just never, I've never seen that really work out well for teams that that do that. You know, that kind of want to be that team to be like, oh, I discovered such and such, and, you know, they was on the bench, and then I turned them into a star. Like, that usually never works. Do you think that's what it was? Like, do you think that they were just like, you know what, this is our first year taking over basketball operations. We're trying to make a statement because I got to tell you, it seems like a pretty stupid statement, especially for your first year. Like 
Tommy last year in his first year went with about the safest moves that that you could make as a GM from from trades to uh, yeah. free agency <laughs> to the draft. I mean, he played it about as safe as you get. I mean, you look at the Bulls and you're like, guys, what are you doing? I don't think they know yet. I I, I think I think they kind of wanted to take that risk because I, I, from what I've read on them, the choices were between Pat Williams and Denny, and maybe if you had a full college season with a tournament March Madness and all of that and right. then a full combine you could bring guys in to work them out against each other maybe they do take Denny instead of Pat Will but yeah you know I, I just feel like this was one of them years where you didn't have as much information on guys so guys could kind of possibly trick you on you know the elite athleticism um, and, and you go that route just trying to get a shot in the arm because he's super young and so you feel like, okay, if he's 19 with all this athleticism and size and, and his defensive potential, you know, in five, six years when he's 25, 26, what does he look like? And maybe they like that more than the idea of a EuroLeague player in Denny who doesn't have the flash, you know, athleticism, jumping out the gym. You know, he ain't doing all that, but he's super skilled. Right. You know, but I, I thought maybe people would have learned, learned their lesson on this <laughs> with the whole Luca deal, but I guess, I guess not. I, I, I don't know. Um, I think it, for, for NBA scouts, I think it's, and I don't, I'm not making light of this at all. Like I truly acknowledge that scouting international talent, I'm sure it is much more difficult than scouting in country talent, domestic talent, because the the talent levels that they go against, you have to take that into consideration. The rules are different. The style of basketball yeah. is different. It's um, it's a lot that is required to do the scouting, and I think that there have been too many busts that are from Europe or wherever else, and teams are just afraid to to pull that trigger at the end of the day. So maybe I feel Patrick, like the busts have been. I feel like the bust though have been kind of obvious though. Like the the ones that didn't pan out, like I I will have to go through all the names again. But I, you remember uh, what's the one that the sons took? Bender. Oh yeah, my goodness. I mean, like the dude averaged four points a game in FIBA play. Like, come on, man. <laughs> so what were what was Porzingis's? Um, Porzingis was, was putting up numbers. Like was he, he was putting up like his his Euro League play was like he was like nine points a game. I think I had to go back and look. Something like that. But and like when he would go into FIBA play where he had like the green light, like he was the best player on, you know, his national team. because uh, he was on the same team with uh Bertans. Before we before anybody knew who Bertans was, he was on the same team with, with KP. And, you know, he was doing his thing. And uh, you know, but I could I could understand that. And then he's seven foot three and could shoot. I get it. And he was an athlete. Like I I get that. But a a uh uh I think his name was Drajan Bender. Like not an athlete. Wasn't putting up numbers on any level. Why are you taking him in the top ten? How high like, was um Dario Sarge drafted? Let me look at that. I feel like he was a first round pick. I don't think he was drafted in the lottery. 
I don't think so either, but let me double check here, because... Yeah, Trajan Bender, he was a top four pick by the Suns. Oy, oy, oy. And I don't um, even think he's in the NBA right now. No, I think he was with Golden State last, um, but I... I don't think he's still on the team. He might be. Let me see. Uh, yeah, that was the 2016 draft. They drafted him over guys like Buddy Hill, Jamal Murray, um, Demontis Sabonis. Uh, I think that's the same Siakam. year Sarge was drafted, no? See where Sarge is, is on that list. I think he should be there. Yeah, you... Yeah, I'm just going back and looking at a couple of other drafts. Let me see. Was there any other Euro prospect 17 draft? But, I mean, like, Darko Milicic, Jan Besley, like, those types of guys have, have to, like, leave a mark permanently on the international scouting um, to some now, degree. Now, Darko was actually flat out, though. Darko actually, <laughs> Darko actually could play. I just think, I don't know. I just think the NBA for him was just like the little documentary I saw on him. It was just like a culture shock for him. Like he just couldn't deal with the the pressure of it coming onto a team that was just in the finals. Like sit here and say that Jan Vesely ever would have been anything special, but I do think that Randy Whitman in some aspect ruined him because like j- just his shot form and all that. Like Jan Vesely was just useless. Yeah, I just don't think Jan was just skilled enough. Like he was a the league was already starting to go away from non skilled you know, athlete, athletes only type bigs. And that's what he was. Like, he, he didn't have any skill. He couldn't shoot free throws. He couldn't shoot outside the paint. But then he wasn't really strong enough to, to impose his will athletically. So where does that leave him? You know, because yeah, in the yeah, NBA... Man was a... No, go ahead. No, I was saying, because in the NBA, everybody an athlete. So if right. all you are in the Euro League is an athlete and then you come over to the NBA... You don't add no skill to that, then what are you? Where's your place in the league? And and Yao Ming was skilled as hell, like super, super skilled. Super. Skilled. Um, Yao Ming was a number one pick, right? Or was he a number two pick? He was a number one pick. And then Ejianlian was a number six pick. So, what was the what was the kid they drafted in Denver? That was like the second overall pick, and you just never heard of him after like a year. I think Tommy Shepard was on that staff too. When that Do you happened. remember his name? I don't. It started like with a T. It was in like the draft before LeBron's. Like it was like the O2 draft. Let me see. I'm going to find it. Hold on. Let me see. Yeah. Uh, Nicola's Tishkevishvili. I'm looking at, yeah, I have no idea who that is. Yeah, Denver took him as the fifth overall pick. He was seven feet, 220. He was like a small forward wing, small forward yeah. power forward. Yeah, averaged two points a game his career. <laughs> fifth overall pick. <laughs> yeah, they had Christage down there at the 24th pick who ended up being a, a quality starting center for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, he did. He did. But that was that O two draft. People was looking for the next dirt, so I, you know. But 
Anyway, I was just trying to like say, you know, I I don't think that international scouting is um, easy, but I I did think that when you watch Denny, I mean, Denny to me was like easily a guy that that's going to be successful in the NBA. Like that, there was never a doubt in my mind from the moment I first watched his highlights and saw him play. Like, yeah, he, he's going to translate just fine. Um, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think Denny was going to be a bust. I my biggest issue with him was obviously the free throw shooting. I'm like. You're a wing player that shoots 55% from the field, from the free throw line. That doesn't bode well for shooting. And I'm like, okay, you're drafting another wing player that has a sh- suspect jump shot. That's fine if you feel like you can develop that. But then what does that mean for Troy Brown? Right. You know, but just watching him play at this point now, I don't really think it matters. Like, you know, Troy Brown obviously is not good enough to say to pass on any wing other wing player. You know, so if that's the get best, next best guy on your board, you take him. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? I mean, um, I feel like we touched on enough. Yeah, man, I'm just I'm ready for the season to start, man. I'm ready to see the whole group, see the rotations, possibly see if they make another trade. I doubt it though, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm just ready for the season to go, man. I'm excited for the season to be back. Yeah, um, definitely same here. I'm ready to see some Wizards basketball back. So, are any of these teams that we're playing on, uh, real quick? What are the teams that are going to be having fans at games? Do you know which teams those are? I haven't even paid attention to it. Because the, think... the announcements, the announcements kept being kind of random, and my assumption was just that nobody was going to have them. But it seemed like some owners are going to try. I mean, I still think that everyone should be trying in some aspect. It doesn't have to be a lot, but I mean, you can certainly get a, a decent amount of fans in there and still social distance properly and all that. Um... Yeah, but it's like, are you going to make the, the are you going to make the ticket money enough to cover the the staffing and the the, the utility yeah. that is going to be required to do that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely tricky. I, I think they'll get more lenient as the uh, as the season goes along, especially with um, the vaccine coming out. I mean, if the vaccine goes well, and then uh, they can be a little more lenient as well in terms of scheduling the second half of uh the season because they aren't going to do that i believe until all-star break or a little bit before that is when that because they don't even have the second half of the schedule out yeah yeah um so that will do it for us today we may or may not be back for one more before um our season opener against philadelphia but uh thanks for tuning in and hope you continue to tune in see you next time